Get deeper insights on the news from Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. As always, I am Boyd Matheson. And one of the things that I love about this show is we get to bring on some of the greatest thinkers, the greatest writers, the greatest analysts uh, in the country to have crucial conversations about things that really matter. And most important, uh, we're never here to tell you what to think. We're here to present information so that you can think about what you think you know and maybe even think again. And one of the areas, of course, that has been very divisive in the nation, I think far more for political reasons than actual reality, uh, is race politics. Uh, Our next guest is one of those great thinkers as we round out out, uh, our number one of the show. Uh, has a new book out, The End of Race Politics, Arguments for a Colorblind American, America uh, by Coleman Hughes. And uh, Coleman, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Uh, great analysis, great insight in all of this. And for our listeners, I want to just set some context as we let you unpack some of this for us. Uh, you were one of the few black students in the philosophy program at Columbia University years ago, and you had this Curious question. We love being radically curious on this show. You wondered why your peers seemed more pessimistic about the state of American race relations than your own grandparents who actually lived through uh, segregation. Unpack that for us. Yeah. So as a student at Columbia, I would read the student newspaper every day and I would see people routinely say things like they experience racism and white supremacy every single day on campus. And that was strange to me because as a black student on campus, I felt I was in clearly one of the most progressive and non-racist environments in the country, if not on planet earth. So that, that dissonance bothered me. Mm. And I became very curious why it was that students were so concerned about white supremacy in what was clearly one of the least racist places in the country. Yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of people have struggled with to say, well, wait a minute, I, it doesn't ring true, it doesn't resonate with me or my experience that, uh, that that's happening in my neighborhood or my area. And, and so as you dug into that, uh, walk us through that. What did you find? What did you discover? And how can we start to reframe this conversation? Well, what I discovered was that if you look at all the polling data, the majority of Americans, black, white, and Hispanic, all believed that race relations were good around 2013. And those numbers have been improving over the two decades prior to that. And something changed right around 2013 uh, that led to a precipitous nosedive in race relations, where by 2021, basically half of Americans thought we were in a good place, as would have said that in 2013. And what happened, initially, everyone got smartphones, so we were able to see out of context video clips of arrests gone wrong and all kinds of content without any context that led people to think that racism was on the rise. And that's what gave people the false impression that race relations were getting worse when, in fact, they had been getting better for decades. Mm. I think that's so fascinating. And it's one other area where this whole idea of instant certainty uh, began because you saw that clip or that out of context comment uh, that instant certainty uh, undermines trust. It's a great threat to trust. 
Uh, and it's also uh, it undermines truth <laughs> and what what is actually going on and prevents us from having the real conversations. Uh, and, and sorry, so you cut out there for a second. Oh, uh, I was just saying that uh, that this whole idea of the instant certainty instant certainty is the enemy of truth and it undermines trust, especially trust in each other. Uh, and so, talk to us in terms of this idea of a different kind of color blindness. It's, it's been another one of those things that's been weaponized. Going back to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, and the content of your character, uh, but now it seems like that's been distorted and actually has become more of a wedge than in a uniting force in the country. That's right. Uh, it, it used to be that you know almost everyone of goodwill aspired to a colorblind society. But in the past few decades, the idea of colorblindness has come under such attack from writers and intellectuals and tastemakers that uh, many people now believe colorblindness is the enemy. So the point of my book is to try to rescue and rehabilitate the kind of colorblindness that we should be striving towards. And by colorblindness, I don't mean we pretend to not notice race. I don't mean we pretend that race doesn't exist or, or anything like that. I mean, we all notice race. We, we're all capable of being racist. But colorblindness should mean to treat you, you try without regard to my race, and we all try to raise our children to not matter. And and more controversially, we get race and racial discrimination of all kinds out of our public policy. So that's the point of my book. Yeah, and uh, you, you cut out just a, a little bit there, so I want I want to make sure we get this uh, for everyone to really understand uh, in terms of the the policy. So this is not a uh, Pollyanna approach. This is not a uh, everyone's the same. It, it, oneness is not sameness, and we value the differences and all of those things. Uh, but just walk us through in terms of how do we get that applied uh, all the way to the policy level, as, as you were describing, uh, so that we can actually have the, the better conversation. That's right. Uh, I think, you know, uh, colorblindness means that we should try to get race out of our public policy Wherever we want policies to take care of and help disadvantaged people, we should do that on the basis of class and socioeconomics, not on the basis of race. Mm, uh, that's great. Uh, and I think that's a, an important part of that. As, uh, as you have people walk away from the book, uh, give us one thing today that we ought to be thinking differently or talking differently about uh, when it comes to race in America. Sorry, I didn't catch that end. <laughs> Uh, what's the one thing that we should be thinking differently about or talking differently about when it comes to race in America? Yes. The thing I, I don't see color, which is a very confusing statement because obviously everyone does see color. I try to, I treat people without regard to their race. And that's really what we should trying to do. That's how we should be raising our children to think about race. And I think that that, that phrase should be on people's lips when they try to convey what, what they believe and how they uh, um, strive to treat people. Uh, great stuff. Uh, Coleman Hughes is a writer, podcaster, opinion columnist, uh, specializes in issues related to race, public policy, and applied ethics. Uh, you can find uh, Coleman's writing. It's been featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, National Review, and a host of others. He's appeared in Forbes 30 Under 30 list. Uh, and his new book, uh, you should check this out. I think it's a, a read that is important to the right kind of conversation in the country, The End of Race Politics, 
arguments for a colorblind America. Uh, Coleman, thanks so much for joining us today. Fantastic perspective. We look forward to having you back to continue the conversation uh, to see if we can't make a difference on this front. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, again, that's uh, Coleman Hughes joining us, and uh, he's got some great stuff out there. I This is one of those where uh, I heard him uh, on one of the cable news networks uh, making a very articulate, very powerful, not argument, but comment uh, in terms of where we are and where we need to go. And, and sadly, when it comes to our conversations around race in the country, we have allowed them to become so politicized and so weaponized uh, that we can't really have the right kind of conversation. Uh, And so this whole idea of ending race politics, I think we all ought to cheer and get on board for. Uh, But I just, it was so fascinating to me. Uh, Again, uh, Coleman was a black student in philosophy on the campus of Columbia University. And there he is reading in the student newspaper, hearing from his peers in class uh, just how racist everything was on campus. He said he felt like he was on the least racist, most progressive space on the planet. And so why was it that everyone else was thinking that race relationships were getting worse when the data suggested they were actually getting better? And a lot of that comes down to our politics who, that always benefit off of division. Uh, and that's up to all of us. And as Coleman said, oneness is not sameness. We value the differences. We see those differences, but we base how we interact with each other on the content of the character. All right, that wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll step aside for some top of the hour news, but don't go anywhere. We've got a big hour number two coming up next. KSL FM Midvale. KSL Salt Lake City. From the KSL Common Spirit Health Studios. This is KSL News Radio. Utah's news, traffic, and weather station.